Hello and welcome to Punch a Hole in the Wind, a look at some of the great thoroughbred racehorses who have graced our racetracks all around the world over the last century or so. I'm Ollie Hine, and it's great of you to join me on this exciting trip down memory lane. My aim is to both remind you of some of your heroes from years gone by, but also to introduce you to some others whom you may not be so familiar with. Many episodes ago, we explored the amazing career of Brigadier Gerard, one of the great milers of the 20th century. Today, we're going to look at his equally impressive peer, Mill Reef, who excelled over slightly further and who won a place in so many hearts in the process. Only the best and most popular horses that prove their timeless brilliance on the course even get considered to be the subject of a life-size bronze statue, let alone have that project seen through to completion. That Mill Reef has not one, but three full-size statues, at Rockaby Stables in Virginia, as well as Kingsclear Stables and the National Stud in the UK, in many ways tells you much of what you need to know about how this superb colt captured not just the top prizes across Europe, but the hearts of millions too. As racing journalist Julian Wilson so simply put it, to know him was to love him. Part of that was to do with his size. Whilst not tiny, he was not much more than 15.2 hands, and aptly fitted that hackneyed description, small but perfectly formed. Bred by American Paul Mellon at Rockaby Farm, and named after a stretch of coastline in Antigua and the exclusive local club where Mellon was a member, the horse soon developed a light, fluid action that suggested he would suit European turf tracks more than dirt, and thus he was sent to the stables of Ian Balding at Kingsclear, the first offspring of Neverbend to run in the UK. He continued to show that great maturity as a yearling, getting Balding quietly excited. But it was not until his first proper work at two that Balding truly saw what he had on his hands. Journalist Andy Stevens describes beautifully what happened next. Balding's instruction to John Hallam, Mill Reef's work rider, was to merely get upsides his lead horse and then just let him go astride faster. Everything went perfectly to plan, apart from the part where Mill Reef moved alongside his companion and then breezed 20 lengths clear. John, I told you to just go astride faster. Governor, I promise you that's all I was doing, Hallam replied. And so it was. Millreef's first race at Salisbury was an easy four-length romp. He then went straight to Royal Ascot and won the Coventry Stakes by eight lengths, pretty much unheard of for a two-year-old in that company. He was next sent to Maison Lafitte for the Prix Robert Papin, but had a nightmare journey just to get there, and only failed by the shortest of heads to beat My Swallow who, although trained in England, would go on to win all of France's top juvenile races. It was no disgrace. Back in England, he was ready for the gimcrack stakes at York, but the Knavesmire was a quagmire after lashings of rain. Balding had doubts about the little colt in such conditions, but a serene Paul Mellon, who had flown over especially to see his colt run, was far more optimistic and insisted on running. Millreef, with perennial rider Jeff Lewis not budging a muscle, destroyed the field by ten lengths. And now there was no hiding his wondrous ability. A bloodless win at Kempton, followed by victory in the Group 1 Dewhurst stakes at Newmarket, saw the reef sandwiched in the end-of-year ratings 
between My Swallow and Brigadier Gerard. That 1970 crop of two-year-olds was like no other, and when, after a simple warm-up in the 1971 Greenham Stakes, Milreef faced his rivals in the 2000 Guineas, there was much confidence. Yet the Brigadier won fair and square by three lengths on their only meeting, showing that he was the superior miler. But that told only half the story. Despite his pedigree, Milreef was no miler. Lewis, once a London hotel pageboy, but now smelling stardom, promised Balding that the horse would thrive over further. Milreef's apologists also pointed out that day that the little colt had been visibly frightened in the parade ring by his huge and intimidating opponent, Minsky. As a consequence, Milreef was surprisingly easy to back in the Epsom Derby, where, demonstrating again his wonderful floaty stride, he skated away for an easy victory from Lindentree, before reverting to ten furlongs in the Eclipse Stakes and dispatching top French colt Caro, who had just won the Prix Gagné in record time, by four lengths. Caro's trainer, Albert Klimscher, knew how good his own charge was and reflected, it's no disgrace to be beaten by a good horse, and Milreef is a great horse, better than Nijinsky. Back to 12 furlongs, and he cruised to a six-length romp in the King George and Queen Elizabeth stakes, leaving Italian derby winner Ortis toiling in his serene wake. To further confirm his middle-distance credentials against the best Europe had to offer, he went to Longchamp for the arc. This time, however, there would be no hellish journey to get there. An organised balding was granted permission from the US Embassy to fly from Greenham Air Base, a stone's throw from his stable, and under lease to the US Air Force. Milreef was treated impeccably, as he became one of the few thoroughbreds ever to fly with the United States Air Force. He touched down at Le Bourget just two hours after leaving his barn, and infinitely more refreshed than he had been for his last race in France. In front of a huge crowd that included President Pompidou, Milreef delivered, and then some. Not only did he unleash his electric acceleration once more to beat French filly Pistol Packer by three lengths, but he beat the course record in the process. And it was clear that the French loved the indomitable and kind little colt as much as the English did, with their press the next day comparing him to Seabird. It had been one of the most impressive European three-year-old middle-distance campaigns in history. And in the process, Milreef had become the first American-bred, American-owned winner of Europe's most prestigious middle-distance race, and indeed the first British-trained winner since 1948. Balding's love of the cult was shamelessly obsessional. As his daughter Claire, herself a respected racing expert, would later claim, my father does not remember the fact that his first child was born in 1971, because all that year means to him is Milreef. Milreef somehow improved further over the winter. He went back to France to open his campaign in the Prix Gagné, where new superlatives were sought as he effortlessly sauntered to an officially 10-length and unofficially 15-length win over useful older horses. Back at Epsom's Coronation Cup in June, he could suddenly only scramble home by a head, and it was revealed that he had a nasty virus, and had missed several key training gallops in the run-up due to appalling weather, making his victory all the more remarkable. 
It was his sixth Group 1 victory in as many races, a record for a UK-based horse that was stand for over 30 years. This illness, however, meant there would be no rematch with the Brigadier over 10 furlongs, either at the Eclipse Stakes at Sandown, which Brigadier Gerard duly won, or the inaugural Benson and Hedges Cup, where his rival was sensationally beaten. Instead, Milreef was prepared for an autumn campaign centred on retaining his arc crown, a rare feat then as it still is now. But plans came crashing down when during a routine training gallop near Watership Down, the little colt's cannon bone in his left foreleg suddenly shattered, the ghastly snap heard by all present. His racing career was over, but a quick-thinking balding, experiencing, in his words, the most awful moment of my whole life, quickly called in vets Charles Allen and Jim Roberts, where, in a room at the stable, they practised pioneering six-hour surgery to save the courageous colt's life, helped by the colt's incredibly calm temperament. Showing limitless devotion, Milreef's groom, John Hallam, essentially lived with and nursed his charge around the clock for three months. The stable lost count of how many get-well cards they received. Such love proved worth it. Syndicated to stand at the National Stud at Newmarket for a record £2 million, Milreef was a titan as a sire, with offspring winning English, Irish, French and Italian derbies, other European classics, Breeders' Cup races and so much more. His breeding tentacles are still evident throughout the bloodlines of so many top horses. There were tears around the racing world when the hugely popular little horse passed away in 1986. British racing journalist John Oakesy stated boldly, Milreef had achieved in two racing seasons what most men do not achieve in a lifetime, which felt entirely appropriate. At a time of almost unparalleled riches in UK racing, Milreef was the little horse that could. To find out more about Milreef and other greats from the past, check out my book, Punch a Hole in the Wind, out now and available online and in bookshops. Next time, we'll go to a different part of the world and share the exploits of another great horse from another era who could punch a hole in the wind. But until then, this is Ollie Hine signing off and saying thank you for listening.